Cuidado, el manco es de peligro. Welcome to the Texas Hemp Show. This week is podcast number 86 on the Texas Hemp Show. I'm Russell Dowden, your host and publisher for the Texas Hemp Reporter magazine. And uh, this week on the program is Dalton O'Neill. Dalton is a free-thinking thought provoker looking to cause damage in the hemp space and cannabis space here in the Texas Markets. Uh, he leverages his industry and insights and relationships to push the ball forward and create a unique, memorable experience for many of his clients and sponsors. Dalton has helped facilitate multiple events, contracts, and most notably EarthX and uh, one of the largest environmental gatherings there in the world. And he's also, uh, you know, co-founder of the Texas Cannabis TV. So Dalton from Dallas, Texas, does a lot of good work in the media space here in the Lone Star State. So. Uh, welcome to the program, Dalton. How are you? Howdy, howdy. Thanks for that great uh, great intro, <laughs> Russell. I'm always working on bios. <laughs> I'm finally happy to be on the Texas Hemp Reporter. Thanks for the invite, and I'm happy to be here with Andrea as well. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm also joining us back as co-host this week on the program is Andrea Steele of the uh, uh, law firm Frost Brown Todd. Andrea is known mostly in our circles for her work with the cannabis and hemp community, but she also does a good deal of good positive work in the real estate practice uh, for that law firm as well. She provides regular regulatory and commercial insight to medical marijuana dispensaries, cultivators, helping them grow their businesses and comply as they innovate in the cannabis space. And we like to have Andrea on the Texas Hemp Show with us occasionally just because her insight on everything going on um, is uh, is valuable for the listeners and, and for our audience. And, you know, we had you guys back on the – we gosh, we booked you all months ago on you on this week, Andrea, given everything that happened last Friday. Yeah, yeah, we're well, happy to be here, and I appreciate it, and glad to join the show, especially with uh, Dalton. We go way back, back when I was, you know, should I do this? Should I not do this? <laughs> and Dalton's like, yeah, do it. And I was, well, so, what was cool is – is my heart. <laughs> Dalton and I talked about a month or two ago about getting him on. Uh, we're friends on LinkedIn, and we, we chat often on there, just like I do with you on there. And uh, we had you on a few a month or two ago, and then and then uh, I said, well, why don't we get you on for another show? And then we were planning your your next appearance, and you you, uh, you I didn't realize that you and Dalton were were close and knew each other, so this worked out really good. I would definitely say so. It was fun, Andrew. Back then, it's like. Should we be lawyers? Should we know it's like, hell yeah, the industry needs as many as we can. For me, it's always been hide behind the lawyers and the doctors. You know, I don't know what's going on, but anytime we can have a professional, licensed professional like yourself that can explain these things, 
at a fifth grade reading level like I need to <laughs> it's always good because then I can decipher it to the other folks and it just you know it uh it, it, it validates credibility having uh folks like you on here Andrew so we appreciate it. we appreciate your craft oh I appreciate y'all I appreciate y'all for bringing the bringing the people to the industry and and hyping it up, man, your events, yeah. Dalton, I, I love it. Every time I see green light, I'm like, oh, where are we, we going? We try. We try. <laughs> We've been around for a minute. We feel like dinosaurs here. And Russell, the the Texas hemp reporters must, too, media listen to. Anytime I'm working, I've always got it back in uh, on, on the suckle, unless we have a lot to say. But obviously, there's plenty to talk about right now. Shit's going down. So, yeah. um, yes. We'll yeah let's kick this thing off guys um basically uh, in the latest news uh, and there's some other news stories that i'll touch on but first and foremost we want to address the smokable hemp ban that um you know last week i had on a, a producer from california a possible project was on Susia last week with cameron field and we talked a little bit about you know texas making its moves and in, in cannabis and, and where we are with the things with the legislature and th things like that. But we had no idea, Andrea, that they were going to rule on Friday, just two days later, that um, I was editing the podcast when the news was coming out Friday afternoon about the uh, state Supreme Court's ruling. And I'll, I'll kind of let you jump in here. And, and what did we learn? Did we gain anything from this, Andrea? Did, did Texas lose a step in, in last Friday's ruling? I'm going to say lose. I'm going to say this was a loss. <laughs> this was a loss for Texas. This was a loss for the hemp industry. Um, I think what happened here, well, let's say just the outcome, right? The outcome is that the Supreme Court of Texas ruled that the statutory ban on the manufacturing and processing of hemp for smoking is, is upheld. However, the rule that um, prohibited the distribution and sale continues to be enjoined, meaning the state cannot enforce that rule. And so what we're left with is in the state of Texas, you can't manufacture or process hemp for smoking, but you can sell it and distribute it. So our companies and our Texas businesses that grow for smokable hemp, that manufacture or process for smokable hemp will no longer be able to be licensed to do those things. Um, and if you're not licensed to do them, you don't have the right to do them and you can get in trouble here. So, but, but you can sell them, you can possess them, you can sell them, you can distribute them, you didn't, can use them. Didn't the Supreme Court, and I'm, I got some of my notes here, they're not great, but didn't they call it inherently vicious and harmful in the process, the entire oh, industry? They, this was actually really interesting. Um, they referred to, to inherently and dangerous um, things as being not something that's like something you automatically have a right to do. They didn't specifically call, but I mean, they alluded to it. They might as well have called it inherently dangerous and evil. And, and you know, we also, out of the United States Supreme Court, got the Dobbs case that overturned Roe v. Wade that came out also. And I was reading that opinion, and then I, it's a really long opinion, so I didn't finish it. But as I was reading it, when I started to read these opinions, I was like, hey, some of this stuff is oral arguments. Um, but when I talked to Chelsea about it, she said at oral argument, the, the Texas justices brought up, you know, comparing smokable hemp to abortion. And so it's, it's just a, I, in my, in my thought process, that's kind of a bizarre comparison. Um, but when you're talking about what you have the inherent right to be able to do, that's kind of what the lawsuit was about. You have the inherent right to grow hemp for smoking mm -hmm. or to, to, to manufacture and process. Do you have the right to, to manufacture and process smokable hemp? 
it's just so ass backwards and how classic for both those drops to be on a Friday, you know, slow news day, <laughs> just, turn, just turn some things around real fast, but real fast. Well, well, we appreciate the lawyer's insights. I mean, I tried getting a round table from just some of the law folks I talked to, not just industry ones, but other that are just watching this and they say, you know, <laughs> it depends on what your tolerance is. It depends on what your risk is, but really the, 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 the pudding in there is like, Jobs are leaving Texas right now. Right. People are leaving, yeah. losing tax dollars. We're yeah. going to import this stuff back in. It doesn't help the qual wins here at all. Times when you're like waiting to hear bad news, it's like, oh, well, maybe that won't happen. Yeah. But at least we know now. At least we know yeah. leading into this next session. Because I we don't even sort of know. Right. Like we know we know what the what the law says, but I Russell alluded to earlier, we don't know what the enforcement's gonna be. Yeah. Is there any enforcement no. even gonna be in place for this? I, I don't see any enforcement on this happening at all, Andrea. I wouldn't say that. No. But as a lawyer, right, I'm not gonna ever be like, <laughs> oh, it's fine. You know, but it's an int- it's so the Department of State Health Services is no longer going to be issuing licenses and probably has the ability to pull licenses from manufacturers and processors who do manufacture and process for smoking, right? And it's not just, you know, flour, it's vapes and whatever else you can use for smoking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Burning, igniting, the, you know, that's the language in the, the, the statute. You know, I have clients that are retail store owners that are producers, and a lot of people are going to be either t- tuning in this week to the show or they're going to be reading online and trying to kind of discern really what's going on with all of this. And, and I think it puts a lot of my clients that advertise with us, you know, Dalton, we have clients that r- produce. And I think that uh, I think it presents some challenges for even for producers, Andrea, doesn't it? Yes. And that's where I feel like it's it's not so clear. Because a producer, when I'm talking about a producer, I'm talking about a cultivator, a grower, right? And if you're a grower, your license is issued by the Department of Agriculture. The statute prohibits any state agency from licensing for, um, you know, licensing hemp for smokable purposes. So if you're a grower and you not only grow your own hemp, but you grow it for the purposes of, you know, packaging those buds for smoking. Mm -hmm then you're not only a producer, you're also a manufacturer. When you're packaging, labeling, relabeling, that, that puts you in the manufacturer category. So you're a producer with, under the Department of Agriculture and you're a manufacturer under the Department of State Health Services. And if you are doing, if you are growing for smokable purposes, if you're, if you're growing and you manufacture, if you're growing and you're selling your own buds for, for smokable purposes, then you're not gonna be able to get your license. That also kind of bounces us back if you remember when the rule first came out um on the, the when the rule first came out i'm not talking about the statute on the manufacturing and processing but we're not saying that you can't distribute and sell for example to that rule was pretty clear then and so that's when we had this whole period where it was like people were calling it t t yeah and yeah or, and so, or just label in big bold not for smoking purposes you know right uh, <laughs> right hey you know Which, you play the game here you play the game but it's like the department of state health services told you how to get around it in their rule that's right and and it just you know what kind of it's just it's just kind of cool well, like, why are we doing this yeah it's a, it's a, it's just funny the, the message that it's sending to texas business owners that are trying to be in this space and i do recall several of my retailers uh in 2020 
had to take their bud bars and and call them tea bars for a little while is what they kind of did to go around that. But uh, a, a very confusing time, and it also uh, it, it doesn't set a precedent very well, Dalton, with Texas in the, the the national market we're this big agriculture state we're mm-hmm. we're known for leading in energy and and our uh, 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 you know agriculture and and technologies it, it, it just this puts us in a you know kind of a, a backwards thing I, i've seen the comments on on the Oklahoma uh, groups that i'm involved in and facebook as you guys are too andrea i'm sure are just like you know, man, Texas, what are y'all doing? We're floating their industry. I'd say it's like an economic disaster because what you have is some of the best entrepreneurs, agricultural businesses, investors investing into this with expect of job creation, job returns, you know, local. This was supposed to revitalize, you know, middle of nowhere, Texas, you know, the rural areas to really give folks a chance. And they've been hit between whether it's transport. I mean, they're getting hit everywhere, whether it's the fees whether it's the licensing, now they're told that they, they can't work. And it's just, uh, I think you're hitting it right with the precedent because we want to be able to build off this. I mean, this affects our grain and fiber industry too because those guys and gals are getting the other shit into the stick. They're having to deal with the fallout of this. You got folks in South Texas and the corticators coming online, hopefully soon, that are just trying to build other parts of the industry that are having to wait for this to play out. And it's like, you know, it's just becoming a total economic disaster. Stay right there, both of you guys. We're going to take our first commercial break of the program here on the Texas Hemp Show, and um, and we'll continue our conversation about other with Texas and what's going on. With there's also some other news. We'll talk about some events that um, that that are coming up later this year, and I know that uh, Dalton's working on one of his own as well up in Dallas. And we'll talk a little more with both Dalton and Andrea here. It's the Texas Hemp Show podcast number eighty six. We'll be back after this. Soul Grown Farms is a proud supporter of the Texas Hemp Show. We are commercial growers of hemp specializing in producing the highest quality of CBD, CBG, and CBN. All of our products have been given an unmatched level of care, which comes from pouring our soul into every aspect of the growing process. Loaded best hemp in Colorado this year. Our commercial hemp flower is available for white-label purchase today by visiting online at soulgrownfarms.com or by calling our commercial farm in Colorado today at 303-598-2311. That's 303-598-2311. We invite you to taste what Colorado already knows. That's at soulgrownfarms.com. At TFNB, your bank for life, we understand the unique struggles this emerging market creates for early adopters. We love working with innovative entrepreneurs on the next big thing, and we believe hemp is exactly that. For over 130 years, we've been getting to know our clients and helping them plan for their future. Come tell us your story and plans for your venture. TFNB Bank, your bank for hemp. Proud to support Texas farmers. Visit online at tfnbtx.com. Hey, this is Cheech Marine, and you're listening to the Texas Hemp Show. 
The Texas Hemp Show is brought to you by Your Business Here. Why take a chance with your hemp grow? Join Hemp Plan and avoid the risk. TPS Labs exclusive hemp consultants who are available when you need them most. If you want to take the guesswork out of growing hemp and focus on what matters most, call TPS Lab today and ask for your free consultation. Take the next step to a successful harvest. Visit tpslab.com or call today at 956-383-0739. Hey, this is Tommy Chong and you're listening to the Texas Hemp Show. The Texas Hemp Reporter is available free at all CBD and smoke shops in Houston and Austin, Texas. Expanding to Dallas and San Antonio this year. Cannabis is slowly becoming legal in Texas. So be sure to listen to the Texas Hemp Show podcast every week. Wherever podcasts are available. The premier hemp and marijuana advocacy publication for Texas. The Texas Hemp Reporter magazine. Mail to over 2,000 licensed hemp producers in Texas. News, technology, trends, finance, culture, health, all things hemp in the Lone Star State. Now in our third year, with more than 100,000 copies made available free at over 1,000 CBD and smoke shops in Texas. That's the Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine and the Texas Hemp Show. Visit online at TexasHempReporter.com and listen wherever podcasts are available. Now, back to the show with your host, Russell Dowden. Welcome back to the Texas Hemp Show. This is podcast number 86. I'm Russell Dowden with the Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine and, of course, host of the Texas Hemp Show. Joining us this week on podcast number 86 are Andrea Hope Steele and Dalton O'Neill. Dalton in Dallas and Andrea in Houston and I, of course, here in Austin. And uh, we are talking all things related to the, well, the recent passing of the smokable hemp ban rulings. And we're going to mix things up here and talk a little bit about, I want to kind of also talk a little bit about the culture. What are, where do we, where's in the larger scheme of things, what do, what do you guys think about the culture uh, in Texas and where we're at? Are we getting closer to making more progress with cannabis, Andrea? I think every, with every legislative session, we get closer and making progress yeah. and every, every, you know, some sessions are more progressive than others. Um, so I do think that there will be some progress this next session. There may be some steps back, but I mean, when you talk about Texas culture and like we're fighters, we're fighters. <laughs> That's so, right. You know, it, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a battle to make sure that there's progress and not step back this next session. And what do you think, Dalton? What do you think about the when you can you speak to the culture yourself there here? You know, from sure. from everything that you see on your end with your businesses and and, and your own programming that you do there in Dallas. Uh, uh, what can you speak to uh, the the culture of, of cannabis as we uh, try to make moves and and gain headway here in the Lone Star State? It's it's a multifaceted. Uh, there was a lawmaker last session. It was also in the news. By legalizing hemp, did we just accidentally legalize cannabis? 
And at the time, <laughs> you make the argument, no, like the rules, the program, the licensing. Fast forward to June, let's say go back three days, June 25th, 2022. You got psychoactive cannabis in every storefront. You can walk from my house right here. I could get it five or six stores within a couple miles. That's been the culture change. Mm -hmm. The culture change is instead of trying to find a dealer for a friend in Irving, if he says, hey, Dalton, where can I find some weed? I say, dude, go to a store down the street. Like the cultural has started to accept it. So yeah. maybe that's like a long roundabout answer. And again, it's good for the tax. It's good for the economy. It's safer. These things are tested. The black market has, or the, the liberty market, okay, as we like to say, has come out of its shell. How far out of its shell Taylor's going to hold the line? You know, I've seen the culture actually flip now. I've seen hemp, medicinal hemp, be become its own thing. People know about the medical cannabis program. But at this point, there's different consumers. There's different patients. I know it's a long answer, but I would say the culture has been changed forever in certain pockets. Yeah. You've always had it in Austin. Houston was early to decriminalize. It's its own country down there. Dallas has been a little bit different because we have some of the most conservative counties, Collin County, Tarrant County. Yeah. You know, in Collin County, you still very much feel like cannabis is illegal. You go to Deep Ellum, it's normal commerce. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, another thing that's really helped on the culture side, because again, you know, I support law enforcement and their ability to keep us safe. But when you had a couple of the largest cannabis bust in Oklahoma or Texas history end up becoming hemp, and you have law enforcement scared to enforce because they don't want to lose the lawsuit and don't have the testing capabilities. I mean, these are all things that trickle down to the culture. They've embodied entrepreneurs. They've embodied retailers to really take this next step. I mean, I remember CBD American Shaman in 2018, 19. You go in there, it's a place you take your grandma. You say, hey, CBD is not bad. You go into these same locations. They're set up like dispensaries. They're set up with theme music plan. You know, they got... Uh, the sexy environment going on, they're set up for dispensary uh, activations. So again, long answer, uh, Russell, at the beginning, green light was more educational and that's where we wanted to stick because of uh, cannabis is a controlled one substance and we're really publicly facing in what we do. But uh, we're getting hit up more and more for cultural events. We're for clients that have budgets. You don't, we need, don't need to explain to the folks CBD or hemp derived THCs are good. They know that and they're looking to experience it with other people. You know, you can only have so many lectures about this is a good thing. You know, so I do think the culture's here. I think it's starting to be fragmented. You know, people are doing what they want to do in their own communities. And I don't, going back to circle back to what I said at the beginning, did we actually legalize cannabis? Unless something drastically changes, I think we could argue yes, because certain counties, certain areas, are creating that vibe. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just to depend on the scientific research of what you want to consider cannabis. So, you know, I don't know from a cultural perspective, I don't, I'm not as hip as it would appear to be, but from my perspective, it's happening. <laughs> on the front line. If you want to find it, I mean, it's just a matter of time. So yeah. weed map has this place covered where you can get your, you know, hempy weed or whatever. Because again, I feel bad for the industrial side because hemp no longer means, food, food, fuel, and fiber. 
That's you know we got to come up with another name for that, unfortunately. So let me read. I want to read a story, just to read a, a paragraph or a segment of uh, one of the stories that I have. My producer Carl and I uh, we're we're going to pull up politics. Uh, Louisiana governor signs ten cannabis bills. I mean, can we pull that one up, Carl? I wanted to kind of go over this. Uh, the governor of Louisiana had approved a slew of reform bills, including one key measure that would expand the number of medical dispensaries that can operate in the state, and another to prevent police from searching people's homes over the smell of cannabis in Louisiana. The uh, Governor Edwards, the Democrat there, announced that he signed a cannabis proposal on Tuesday yesterday while advocates are pushing for broader reforms like adult use legislation. Uh, they generally feel that the enactment of these pieces of legislation represent a step in the right direction. But among the most notable signed bills from Representative Tanner McGee, a Republican from Louisiana, that would shift the regulatory responsibility for the state's medical marijuana program from the Department of Agricultural and for, uh, Forestry to the Department of Health, HB 697 would allow the existing medical cannabis dispensaries to add new satellite retail locations. An amended and enacted, it would effectively allow the existing businesses to qualify for additional licensing opportunities in Louisiana. Um, Louisiana is making headway. You know, uh, uh, Andrea, the, the, there's... There's some things that they're, they did some they did some good things recently with a lot of these and when you read through this article on marijuana moment some are are positive and uh, you know when you see Arkansas Oklahoma New Mexico is now recreational cannabis Andrea I mean they've raised 40 50 million dollars already I mean they had 30 million dollars uh, in in a month uh, from April to May our neighbors are getting it and Texas needs to get with the program uh, either of you want to comment on this I bet a lot of those stores with higher sales are right along the border. <laughs> yeah, especially on the border in New Mexico. Right. I have a friend uh, in Broken Bow that just report because, you know, metrics coming into play. Oklahoma had its Gilded Age, and that might be coming to an end now. Depends on their enforcement up there, too. But with all of them all going on metric, they were running a sale four ounces for $50.01. You know, how, how are you going to compete? You're getting a quarter pound for $50 up there right now. So, again, to, <laughs> yeah. think, to think that and that's an hour and 20 minutes from where I'm at in Dallas. I mean, Choctaw is an hour. If I lived mm -hmm. in McKinney, it'd be 45 minutes. So, and, and to think, you know, that it, it's just, it's absurd. I think if we were a more poor country that we would have already legalized, you know, I really mm -hmm. do think there's some conservative politics and Bible Belt stuff going on, but I really don't think that, I think we have the war chest. Mm -hmm. Texas has the economy. We're not desperate for it. A state like Louisiana that's already been, disenfranchised has already been beaten up on infrastructure like they're another bad hurricane away from losing their industries yeah. and uh, so i think it's a no-brainer for them new mexico makes plenty sense especially with all the native american reservations and things and most of that state's already free yeah it's just weird as a proud seventh or eighth generation texan i can't figure it out i need to do some more research there we're supposed to be the most free state i'm yeah. not to get a Texas tattoo but then it doesn't feel very free sometimes Again, as landowners, you don't have the right to grow what you want to grow and especially be able to package it and sell it. You know, as a landowner, they want you to grow it, export, import. What are we doing? So you're right, Russell, we're behind. But, uh, you know, when I started throwing events in 2018, I sincerely thought things would be different in 2022. I had a bunch of older people say, oh, you're dumb. It'll never happen. And I'm sad. But four years later, I can report like we have had some progress, but not at the level that we need, especially for investors and business owners to feel comfortable. Yeah, you can play this game, opening a storefront, selling God knows what. 
I mean, unless things change, that landing strip is coming smaller and smaller. You know, when this next session starts out and they start throwing stones at, uh, at our hemp industry, it's going to scare the hell out of everybody. You know, and again, I think the retailers are going to be the backbone. How long can they stand in the paint and go toe to toe with uh, whoever the other big man is on the other side? Because mm-hmm. they're just going to they're going to beat us up all session long. I know it. And uh, and that's when everybody cares. People remember. I mean, there's a guy that I just met selling gummies going back to the culture thing. And, uh, and I'll wrap it up here is there's folks now stopping by stores, buying these products that they love and creating businesses because they think they understand because it's sold in this store. This is legal and I have a long way to go. So you have people applying for licenses, buying products, starting new businesses off the back of things they've witnessed when there isn't mainstream education. There's our storefronts and online retailers that do a great job explaining to customers and patients what's going on. But you walk into a random store, you start asking real questions. I mean, I've been called a narc. I've been called, am I an enforcement guy? And I get it. You know, especially I come in there in my polo and my boots. I look a certain type of way. But they're going to say that you're asking normal questions and the people at the front are freaking out. They don't know. They're saying, hey, how high do you want to get? I mean, it's Mm -hmm. unfortunate. You walk into a CBD store right now and they say, how high do you want to get with no child proof packaging, no COAs on the front? And again, I'm like a limited government type of guy. Like I typically want the government out of my business, but it's hurting us because these are these are real life case studies they can cite while we need some more guidance here. You know, fortunate, but it's the truth. How do we, Andrea, how do we get into the minds of lawmakers as as the public? I mean, you know, we ultimately have the power if we can educate enough Texas, Texas voters, you know, how can we invoke change that way? Because uh, I feel like we need more green candidates out there. And in a little bit, I'm going to ask you guys about Dan Patrick and, 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 and things with, 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 with his power in the Lieutenant governor's office. But how do we get um, our lawmakers uh, to, to feel this culture shift that the rest of us are experiencing? I think it's going to require constituents speaking up and, and getting the message across because the ones that don't know and are holding on to old stigma are just stuck in that until they, until they, you know, when you know better, you do better. Um, It's, I I think that, you know, not only is it going to be people talking to their, to their, to their um, legislators locally, but also don't touch on a really important point. I don't know who in the industry can't get behind public safety. Right. And if we're talking about public safety and we focus on that, every sector of the industry should be able to agree on that. And if there can be some progress there, then I think, you know, you're not going to make everybody happy all the time. But if you can make a good portion of the people get some progress, you know, reasonable, reasonable regulations surrounding things like what Dalton just talked about child proof packaging, appropriate label and marketing, proper testing that's doing full panel testing. Don't market it to kids. Don't market right. it to these Skittles and these Starbucks. Yeah. I, can't, I can't work with that. You know, and from an events perspective, trying to sell sponsorships and things, when you deal with these people that are selling the worst products in the world, you know, we have integrity, but also it's a business. So we're being put in tough situations of why are we having to be the police here? Why are we having to be the arbiters of what's right and wrong? You know? Yeah. yeah. A candidate running for a position with the Texas Agricultural Office, Susan Hayes, said uh, this week, 
uh, speaking about the Supreme Court of Texas upholding the hemp ban. She, quote, quote, said, this is what happens when you have state leaders who don't understand the plant or the ca- or the cannabis business. Mm-hmm. Elections have consequences. We must get people in office who will advocate for cannabis and know what they are talking about. In addition to the Ag Commission, we need to get a governor and lieutenant governor who, I quote, get it. And that is in quote from um, Susan Hayes quoting our friend there, Jesse, uh, Jesse Williams, speaking to Susan Hayes last weekend uh, regarding that decision. Uh, Karen, have you, Susan hits, it, hits I, it on the head there. I mean, we need to get, you know, better, better guys in there, just put, putting better guys in. For a pop culture reference, you would say, I see no lies. You know, that's what, <laughs> that's the, that'd be the way to say it. But also, if you ask Commissioner Miller, I saw a recent interview he did, I think, at uh, the Texas Republican convention. He said the same thing. He says, we need other guys in there, referring to Governor Abbott and Lieutenant Tenica. Governor Dan Patrick. So regarding the agriculture race, you know, I know we all love Sue. My sister always sends me news articles anytime something happens, but they're both on the same page. I mean, Commissioner Miller said he's for medical attention. Yeah. He's not saying it as loud as, as Susan you know, by no means. And he's still learning, I'm sure, about the plan. It's hard to get. I mean, being in this industry now, three and a half, four years going on five, I still don't get it. So how are we supposed to expect a politician who's like managing the water drought in Texas? I mean, there's big issues coming up. My friend in North Austin said they're running on the radio. If your well runs dry, call in because we need to know. I have another friend that said the Carrizo Wilcox aquifer is about to run dry. You know, we're having public safety problems all over the state. So I definitely agree with Susan and wish her well in the election. But as we've learned, even Commissioner Miller, these leaders of state departments don't create the laws. So it has to start with these local, local elections. You know, if you ask Commissioner Miller, hey, will you legalize it? He's like, it's not my decision. You know, they can support it all they want. We can elect Susan all we want. And when she gets in there and says, let's legalize it. Now, she did mention you have the pulpit to get the lawmakers to do what you want to do. But when you have a hyper conservative block you know it, it's they're going to do what they want to do especially if they have a super majority after these elections which i get elections have consequences but they're not just voting on cannabis and i think with our industry we like to be horse blinded in and what about our issue i even said hey let's vote them out once legalize and if we need to vote them back in let's do it but with some <laughs> of these other issues we've got the stakes are becoming too high and i'll end with this we're at a disadvantage because a majority of the um, you know heavily populated areas already have access to cannabis. So if you ask people in Austin, you know what are you going to march for? What are you going to elect for? They they're not going to leave their house to go advocate for cannabis when they already have their dealer, they already have their supply, they already got their own farm in their apartment or whatever. So you know it, it's our biggest states aren't motivated right now. It's like our biggest power players aren't motivated, and we're not reaching the rural folks. You know, we promised them hemp, we promised them hemp, and then one company, so we've already had the big marketing boom of hemp's gonna help you, and it wasn't explained to these farmers how it was gonna help them. They conflated CBD with the fiber, and nobody explained to them. I could barely explain at the time. So I'm not trying to get on like a high horse there, but the people we need to save us are the hardest ones to reach, and they don't know what's going on. So it's not just the lawmakers, it's like the constituents as well that don't, fully understand where we're at because it's hard for us to even come to an agreement. So I know that might be a little wacky, but Andrea, I think think you make a really good point because like, I would hope, I mean, there are so many other issues. Cannabis is not a priority for 
pretty much anybody but the people in our industry. Um, and I think, and I think you made a good point earlier. If the if we hit a recession, that's when I think yeah. lawmakers who don't make this a priority will start to see, hey, that's an opportunity for more money. Yeah. And so that's that's that might you know I don't think the medicinal um, benefits are going to be what triggers change yeah. early or in Texas. I think it's going to be economic. So there's that issue, um, and then also like it not being a priority. I really wish lawmakers, and not just on this issue, but any issue, listen to the experts in the industry. You can't be an expert on everything as a lawmaker. So for the parts that you don't know about, listen to the people that do. And I don't feel like that happens anywhere near as much as it should. Because there are, there's like there, like a personal there, stigma issue with some some of the more powerful lawmakers. They're, they're going to feel like they were lied to. Uh, I sat in a couple of those Senate hearings where they were going back and forth. They said, we promise. You, this won't turn into cannabis. We promise y'all are going for CBD and grain. And I, we heard all the testimony of everybody promising it wouldn't end up like this. So although I'm on one side, these lawmakers could have a point that they feel lied to. And obviously I'm on the side of legalize this thing and let's get it going for our industry. But I'm scared that this is going to come back up. You know, I'm really, I'm really scared that they're going to have a lot of quotes from these shows that we're on and Facebooks and you know, they're really going to have a lot of evidence. We're going to need some help. We're going to need a Tom Brady style comeback <laughs> to make this happen. Because, and then the, what we're hearing is we're not going to get a lot of help from the federal farm bill. You know, Colorado and Oregon are going to most likely, from what a couple of friends told me, going to legislate these hemp derived THCs into their medical or recreational program because they have an active program. If we had a real program, it might not be a problem pushing the hemp derived THCs into but we don't have that program so we're in this like weird you know this weird gray zone where it but pushing it to the other programs not acceptable because that one's not easily accessible let me ask you guys on this i want to break this point up as you spoke about we spoke about economics there andrea but let, i want to talk change gears and just talk about the economics on the side of campaign fundraising because this was an interesting figure that i saw last friday with regards to the last six months, Dan Patrick has raised over $3 million in contributions where the opposing three candidates running against him, Mike Collier, Carla Braley, and Michelle Beckley, are facing off in the Democratic nomination. of. They raised only collectively $800,000 in campaign contributions. It's like fighting a mountain, you know, um, against you know the the power of the republican party do either of you have any comment on this because i find that uh, these other candidates uh, that are trying to get in for the lieutenant governor's office it, it's a it's a mountain hill for them to climb financially guys to compete any comments on dan patrick as we talk about the moral high ground of cannabis here in texas i mean i'll, I'll tune in i try to watch as many sh political shows as i can i it gets bad. You get depressed. Got to turn it off for 10 days. Texas is the final frontier of where these national conservative policies are coming into play. Texas is a battleground. The entire country looks as if they lose Texas, it's all downhill from there. So this $3 million he raised, it wouldn't surprise me if it's out-of-state stuff, other interest. Cannabis is on a non-issue for these guys. Yeah. You know, a lot of these states. So I think, you know, unfortunately, with what's happening at the national level, this is such a small issue Dan Patrick's going to have to do something to himself to make him unelectable. I don't think, unfortunately, I don't think there's any amount of money or any amount of things we could do. I mean, even if you look at like our attorney general, who's going through a bunch of drama, he still won in a landslide against a really good primary candidate 
uh, the railroad commissioner, George P. Bush. You know, there was a lot of of appetite for uh, uh, George P. Bush to primary our attorney general, Ken Paxton. That didn't work. And that was a lot more questionable than Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. I think at this point, you know, it's not it's never I never want to call mercy. Even when we're losing by four touchdowns, we still feel like we can win. But with Lieutenant Governor Patrick, with him controlling the Senate the way he does, I think it's more we need to plead mercy and just beg him for a hearing. Because if he plays the game where he's just not going to let us even have a hearing, he's not going to let us vote, all of this hype is just really we're just blowing hot air at each other. you know. And if we can't win him over with some mercy, it's got to start local. we got to have district attorneys and counties putting in new measures because I don't think we're going to see any relief from the Texas Senate. I don't see that. Andre, let me ask you, we, you know, Texas isn't a ballot initiative state. We can't get a ballot initiative uh, to get these laws changed, you know, with the, with, with our system here. So it's, it's, it's educating lawmakers, right? But it's, but it's educating our voter, our voting populace to, to, to know these issues and, and, and make the right decision with, with these candidates. I think like the, the, you know, Again, it's like you've got to get the lawmakers. They have to know that this is important to their constituents Mm -hmm. and it has to be widespread. If it's just concentrated, Don brought it up earlier, if it's concentrated in the in the more um, city in the city in the major cities where it's not it's really a non issue. It's not going to pull the weight like it's we've got to get the people out in the more rural areas to know about it. It'd be important to them so they can speak about it to their lawmakers. It's a whole process. And and. I know like a lot of the polls have come out saying that population wise, people are for it, people are for progress, but it's not making it to the legislators ears significantly enough and maybe not their pockets either, significantly enough to make the change. Stay right there, guys. It's podcast number 86 of the Texas Hemp Show. This will be our last uh, commercial break, and then we'll uh, continue our conversation. Podcast number 86. We won't back down ourselves here in the Lone Star State. We'll be back as our conversation continues here on the Texas Hemp Show with Andrea Steele and Dalton O'Neill. We'll be back after this. Soul Grown Farms is a proud supporter of the Texas Hemp Show. We are commercial growers of hemp specializing in producing the highest quality of CBD, CBG, and CBN. All of our products have been given an unmatched level of care, which comes from pouring our soul into every aspect of the growing process. Loaded Best Hemp in Colorado this year. Our commercial hemp flower is available for white label purchase today by visiting online at soulgrownfarms.com or by calling our commercial farm in Colorado today at 303-598-2311. That's 303-598-2311. We invite you to taste what Colorado already knows. That's at soulgrownfarms.com. At TFNB, your bank for life, we understand the unique struggles this emerging market creates for early adopters. We love working with innovative entrepreneurs on the next big thing, and we believe hemp is exactly that. For over 130 years, we've been getting to know our clients and helping them plan for their future. Come tell us your story and plans for your venture. TFNB Bank, your bank for hemp. Proud to support Texas farmers. Visit online at tfnbtx.com. Hey, this is Cheech Marine, and you're listening to the Texas Hemp Show. 
The Texas Hemp Show is brought to you by Your Business Here. Why take a chance with your hemp grow? Join Hemp Plan and avoid the risk. TPS Labs exclusive hemp monitoring program. Hemp Plan members get one-on-one consulting from knowledgeable consultants who are available when you need them most. If you want to take the guesswork out of growing hemp and focus on what matters most, call TPS Lab today and ask for your free consultation. Take the next step to a successful harvest. Visit tpslab.com or call today at 956-383-0739. Hey, this is Tommy Chong, and you're listening to the Texas Hemp Show. The Texas Hemp Reporter is available free at all CBD and smoke shops in Houston and Austin, Texas. Expanding to Dallas and San Antonio this year. Cannabis is slowly becoming legal in Texas. So be sure to listen to the Texas Hemp Show podcast every week, wherever podcasts are available. The premier hemp and marijuana advocacy publication for Texas. The Texas Hemp Reporter magazine. Mailed to over 2,000 licensed hemp producers in Texas. Texas. News, technology, trends, finance, culture, health, all things hemp in the Lone Star State. Now in our third year, with more than 100,000 copies made available free at over 1,000 CBD and smoke shops in Texas. That's the Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine and the Texas Hemp Show. Visit online at TexasHempReporter.com and listen wherever podcasts are available. Now back to the show with your host, Russell Dowden. All right, welcome back to the Texas Hemp Show. This is podcast number 86 this week, having a powerful conversation with Dalton O'Neill um, from Dallas and Andrea Steele uh, in Houston as we are bouncing the ball back and forth regarding uh, cannabis and the state of, um, of, of, of hemp and, and our laws here in the Lone Star State. Great show, guys. Uh, very informative. As we politicize the conversation here with cannabis in the Lone Star State, what is coming up for you, Dalton? I, I, I think you've got an event that I wanted to let you plug before I forget. So I think you've got something that you got cooking, and I, I want to let it. I wanted to let you talk about that for a second, uh, all, if you don't mind. We always love plugging events. You know, my first like year in the industry. First off, my dog just came by here, so hold on. <laughs> We gotta go give the little cow a shout out. What's up, cow? <laughs> there you go, buddy. <laughs> I used to shotgun weed into her face, and she survived. She pretty much grew up in a pretty much grew up in a frat house apartment. So came over here, wanted to be a part of the show. So, like my first even year in the cannabis stuff, people ask me, "What do you do?" I ended up just saying, "I'm like a music promoter for the industry." You tell me a good event, I'm gonna promote it. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if I can believe in the people there. And you know, Greenlight started as a meetup group. And it evolved into an events company. And uh, well, that's the personal website. I look great there. The Greenlight <laughs> website's always under construction. You know, we're figuring it out. So, you know, our first uh, event, July 2018, we've kind of morphed into more of an industry event to consult for events. But the event we got coming up is called the Texas Cannabis Roundup. And uh, it's a little bit, yeah, the event high might be a good one. There that's just is. the landing page. 
And uh, we've got it on the Greenlight website too to RSVP. But what it is, it's we're, it's a roundup. It's on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very unconventional. You can usually get better deals with venues on Wednesday. Another service Greenlight offers is venue consulting. It's a lot easier to throw a good event when you don't have to worry about giant overhead. <laughs> so what it is, is, uh, you know, the Texas Cannabis Roundup. We're rounding up the industry to talk about policy, industry, culture. Borrowed that term from Austin Z. We just talked about it. Policy, industry, culture. That's what we do. That's what we did here, naturally. I think all three of us mm-hmm. talk policy, industry, culture stuff. So we'll have a couple speakers. We'll have a couple sponsors. It's really more as a meetup, happy hour to get everybody in the same room. You know, we really believe sunlight is the best disinfectant. And what we aim to do is to bring everybody that we can in one room to separate between fact and fiction. You know, make sure before you pay that consultant a 10, 10 grand, 20 grand down payment, come to one of our events, learn a little bit yourself, and maybe you won't need as much. I'm not saying the consultant isn't worth it, but when you think there isn't opportunity, we really want to provide a forum, you know, for these things. So the Texas Cannabis Roundup is going to be great. It's actually the same day as Dallas Startup Week, where I volunteered to put together a couple panels. So we're going to have some cannabis panels for Dallas Startup Week at SMU in the morning. That night will be the uh, the roundup. And uh, I mean, it's it's going to be a baller time, really. I know it's a hard. We take so seriously people's time. Time is ultimate currency. So when somebody says I'm driving from Austin, or I'm driving from Houston, it's like a pit of anxiety I get. It's like even though the event's free and people are can do what they're, they want to do, right. we take major pride in providing that value to people, especially with gas being six dollars a gallon. You know, so again, if you want to come network with industry leaders, business professionals, we target business owners. We are starting to go to more of the B2C consumer events like we discussed earlier, because that's what clients are asking for. This will be a B2B show, rounding up the community uh, before the session, try to make some alliances, squash any beefs, get everybody on the same page and just bring it together over a beer or two. And uh, again, we love the venue. Shout out to Longhorn Ice House. They have an amazing patio that we can smoke our hemp-derived products on in the back (laughs) patio. And uh, it's actually an official UT bar. They're like uh, Texas X's around the Red River rivalry. They do good stuff. And so, yeah, Texas Cannabis Roundup. You know, it's not going to be too serious. Just a, a few speakers, a few vendors. And what's the really date? Important. What's the date on that, Dalton? Wednesday, August 10th, 630 to 930. August 10th. And, uh, and it is next to um, Cowboys Red River, the biggest honky tonk in Dallas. And it is next to some other choice gentlemen's clubs. So you never know what's going to happen here. We're not <laughs> promoting that. Again, have, have the ability to do what they want to do. It's, it's in the armpit of Dallas. Irving is very reachable for our friends in Fort Worth, our friends in Denton. And, you know, and, 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 and people, Dalton, i got to say, people that know you, they, they – I've had a good time when I've hung out with you, whether it was in Denver or if it was in Dallas with for Texas Canico. I've I've hung out with you guys up there, and uh, you you guys are fun to hang out with. Uh, you and, and and the crew you have uh, uh, around you, it's always a good time uh, hanging out with you guys as well. I want to let uh, Andrea plug something too. She had uh, was recently uh, nominated to serve on the board of the International Cannabis Bar Association. Can you tell us a uh, congratulations on, on yeah, that, by the way? Clap, golf clap. We gotta get tell us uh, tell us yeah. about this. This is cool, Andrea. Tell us about this. I'm I'm really excited. So the International Cannabis Bar Association is a group of lawyers that practice in the cannabis space from across the world. There's more than 800 attorneys that are part of the the group, and um, I joined the when I was first considering getting into you know expanding my law practice into cannabis. I joined because I, I I needed some help and some guidance. I needed to learn more. I needed to be around 
other people who were smarter than me that could help guide me and tell me, you know, what am I supposed to be doing? And, um, and it has been a phenomenal experience. I've recently in the last couple of years stepped up and been a co-chair of the legislative advisement committee. And with that, we try to keep our ear to the ground on different rules and regulations and laws that are coming out federally in various states. And as an organization collectively with all these different attorneys, providing our expertise and our knowledge into, you know, we've got ex experience in markets that are mature and in markets that are emerging and, uh, you know, across from that entire, entire spectrum. So being able to chime in and provide um, valuable guidance to these states and, and other governments, even internationally, as they're coming online, we're here for it. And so I'm so excited to have been nominated um, the nominations have to come from other people. You can't nominate yourself. So it was it was such an honor to be nominated. And, you know, that's an honor itself. The, the election ends um, tomorrow or the voting ends tomorrow. And I'll find out next week if I was elected. I really hope so, because I just I hold that organization very dear to my heart. I think it's incredibly valuable and important in, in what we give to the public as far as knowledge and, and education and experience and but also new attorneys coming into the industry and grooming and teaching them. There's excellent educational materials that, you, you know, for lawyers that are curious or interested to learn more about the very, I mean, it's an entire industry. So there's a multitude of practice areas that cannabis touches. It's not just, you know, cannabis lawyers sort of a misnomer. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm so I'm really, really Well, congratulations. Uh, good luck on this. We keep me posted on this. If you can, I want, I, I, I follow both of you. Um, you know, you two are pretty regularly. I say hi. I see your post. I, I see both of you guys, both of you more on my LinkedIn feed than I do my Facebook stuff. So uh, it's good that, uh, you know, we're all part of the community, you know, and I, I really find that uh, there's just a warm presence there on my LinkedIn feeds. Uh, you guys are both doing good things on there. One Can I, I want to say something real quick. Yeah. Dalton, you're amazing. We need a clone of you down here. In Houston. <laughs> We're working on it. We just try hard. Andrew. Really, <laughs> part of the deal is just trying hard. You know, everybody's playing their role here. Again, you're a licensed professional. Russell has the best hemp show, the best produced show. You know, we're all just doing what we can do here. I know you talked about coming into the studio, and I did. It wasn't that I didn't want to have you in the studio. I was just like flattered, like you might want to come down from Dallas just to do on the show with I us. I was going to smoke your show out, dude. I got, <laughs> I got friends in Austin. I had a reason to come down there. You know, and uh, I'm never just going to Austin for one thing. And uh, Andrea, I've got some plans for Houston. I got a couple running buddies that we're thinking about working with down there got massive respect for Houston. Never want to disrespect. That's a whole, that's a whole situation. The H has got going on. Though. <laughs> you know? I've got some people to introduce you to, too, because I think that there's some, some good synergy. We need to get Dalton into the studio here, Carl. I think, I think, I think if Dalton came into the studio, Andrea, he'd just take over the show. I might, I might. <laughs> you know, I can't help it. I got ADHD. I got energy. I love doing this. I've made it my life's work for God knows what reason, like literally. And uh, I mean, I've got my reasons, but they've started to evolve. That's the other thing. We got to ground ourselves. Remember why we do it. You know, I wanted to help out breast cancer patients and help get free, get safe access to this medicine. And now I'm like, dealing with all this crazy stuff all the time. And it's like the roller coaster is exhausting. Well, listen, I got about two or three minutes left with both of you. Um, final question for either of you. Are you both looking forward to getting back into the trenches with the legislature next year? Are you optimistic? Are you pessimistic as we look forward to 2023 next year? I'm, I'm, I'm a forever optimist. 
I, I just I feel like there's 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 good things that can happen. There's good things that will happen. Will it get testy? Probably. But there's some powerhouses here that are are, are working from a lot of different angles, and um, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, I think I I just I think there's going to be progress made. It may not be perfect, but I think it'll be progress. We'll take a little bit where we can. I have uh, my sister says I have toxic positivity. To a fall. <laughs> and it has messed with my brain sometimes. You can always be thankful for certain things. Uh, I'm not very optimistic about the state of our industry right now. If we could get chronic pain, if we could get more of a medical program with open licensing, I think that might be, if they come to stab the hemp industry in the back, we've got to see progress on the other side. But I think we're going to see a lot of civil disobedience. I think we're going to see a lot of retailers. I think we're going to see a lot of counties you know kind of stepping up for themselves and the tide has changed again with the mushrooms you know another thing i hope we start talking about more is the mushroom legislation mm -hmm. if we really have legal psychedelic mushrooms before cannabis it's a case study for history they're gonna be laughing at us 100 years from now so we'll see power to the patients appreciate you having us on the show russell hey. Texas cannabis roundup is going to be great and august anybody that wants to chop it up hey fire off the website for both of you uh start with you dalton fire off any website you got your uh uh policy industry culture coming up august Dalton's 10th at culture. your um green light event uh, tell us for nice house baby do it texas style you know greenlight events greenlighteventsco.com or just go to my linkedin whatever i'm pushing on there is usually what i'm what i'm focused on if you want degenerate meme content, go to Texas Cannabis TV, and uh, we'll see you with the we'll see you with the session. Oh, hey, sure. by the way, you need to put our podcast on your list of the six podcasts on your on your TV. I I you was on to. there earlier, and I was I was like, you know what? He's going to be on my show, you and we don't show. we're not even on his list. Dude, I don't even manage that website. I got the password to it. I got to get you know the team is only as good as the leader here. The, the leader fucking sucks. I'm going to hold so. you to that. You need to add the Texas Hip Show It'll to your. Not, it's, 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 it's going to be on the notes right here. It, wouldn't be, it couldn't be a Texas list of shows without this one. I mean that. So. I, I, I was like, hey, we're not on that list. Damn you. Uh, so good. good. Uh, he's writing it down on crayon now it's on this piece of paper, Andrea. Sponsored by Montucky. Hit him up. Him, you know. Fire off your website, Andrea. How can folks learn more about uh, the good work you do? Absolutely. So I'm, I'm most active on LinkedIn. So look me up on LinkedIn, Andrea Steele. Um, again, like Dalton, when I, whatever I'm focused on on the moment, I'll, I'll put in things I'm working on, or if I see other good things happening, I try to put it out there, just information and knowledge. Um, FrostBrownTodd.com, the website um, for you know, my law firm. Um, but I say hit me on LinkedIn. That's that's my most active. Here we go. Take it there. Well, sounds very good. You guys are both on my news feed every day. I, I see posts that you're making. I'm making news posts on there. So well, I'm always seeing the, the two of you all the time. So keep up the good work that you both do on LinkedIn. Great show this week on podcast number 86. Thank you both, Dalton and Andrea, for being a part of the show this week on the Texas Hemp Show. Lots of lots of Appreciate love, Russell. I'll see you soon. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much. Bye. All right, there they go. That's podcast 86 as we wrap up here. Pick up a copy of the Texas Hemp uh, Reporter Magazine. Those are available in all of your CBD and smoke shop. This is podcast 86. I'm signing off. Great show this week, guys. We'll see you next time.